0: How about I just send you the send you the link for now? <laughs> Would and, you? <laughs> <laughs> as long as you promise to to actually log in later and reset your password. All you need to do is put it in one password, man. One password. And then it'll be touch ID away.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. I should install one password as well, shouldn't I? <laughs> I stopped using it. I moved I when um Apple brought out iCloud Keychain, I kind of thought, right, I'm gonna because generally, uh, my philosophy with computing is generally I want to use what is provided out of the box Yeah. so yeah. that I don't have to install as much stuff whenever I set up a new machine. And so when Apple started doing password management, in I thought I'd stop. But theirs is kind of terrible. Well, it only really
0: works in like Safari. Yeah. And especially now with iOS 8 and all the extensions and stuff, yeah. now it's know. working in...
1: I don't know. So I think maybe I'll go back to 1Password. I started this slow migration from one password to iCloud Keychain, and now now I am going to have to do do a slow slow migration migration back. back.
0: Mm. See, I use one password partially because of the fact that it has the multiple vaults. You can have multiple vaults, and so I use one for work, one for me and Mel, one for myself, and so just I can switch between them relatively easily.
2: I've installed it, but I haven't actually done anything with it yet. I should probably do that.
0: It's actually really I I really like it. Like, it's far better than any other
1: system that i've ever been forced to use so i was really happy with the mac app but the downfall was i wasn't using anything on ios and so i'd create a new account with like a one password suggested password yep and it would be fine whenever i logged into that thing on the mac and then i'd want to log into that thing on my iphone and i'd have to type by hand a stupidly long like 40 random alphanumeric characters with different capitalization and or just send myself an email with as the body of the email and no subject and yeah but now there's an app and it syncs
0: the only thing i wish that it did it's a lot more useful now with what ios 8 the only thing i wish it did is that if there was a part if a, a text field a ui text field is set to being a password i feel like there should be like the ability to just kind of injects 1Password directly into that field and be able to pull in the password. That'd be there's, cool. There's not, is there? So no. Do they and in fact, f- you can't even use custom keyboards. You can't oh, even right. use third-party keyboards. I, was,
1: I assumed that that's what they did.
0: No. So 1Password, the way that the extension works is it's like they have like a Safari or an, and an action extension that basically lets you unlock with Touch ID and... Uh, and then pull in the password, so it works in Safari, but because it's an action extension as well, it means that apps that explicitly uh, set it up, like, for instance, um, Panic have been doing it with their apps, Um, any apps that explicitly do it can use uh, 1Password to fill out those fields.
1: Authenticate with 1Password action. Yeah. Why can't they do a
0: keyboard? Well, because the third-party keyboards can't, you can't like what they won't show up in a password field oh. actually i'm I'm going to test that because
1: I, i'm <laughs> i'm relying on third party information no, no no i seem to remember that from WWDC now that that was a thing and everyone was excited temporarily that one password would be able to have a third party keyword and then was disappointed that it couldn't so you almost you almost convinced me to switch back but yet now <sighs> dang not anymore dang either way even Safari, you could you could store it in
0: Safari and it would be just fine.
1: That's true. I've got no excuse. Oh, Janie, if we lost oh, you. Hello. Yeah. Sorry about that. You know what? <laughs> so that what was happened? my fault because i pulled That's off right. my f-
0: I'm using my f- phone. This is going to happen again, I'm, I guarantee it. you tethering? Yeah, I'm tethering. Why are you tethering? <laughs> well, well, did you see my again. tweet before be- no. just before? My tweet just before was I'm downloading Skype for using t- to use tonight. At fifteen kilobytes per second. That's I, not so good. I yeah, she's dropped out again.
2: Hello, I'm here. I'm here.
0: Yeah, excellent. Good. Sorry about that. That that was me plugging the phone back in. <laughs> um, yeah, our internet is being stupid tonight. Like our home broadband internet is being stupid tonight. So I was tethering, but then I yeah. just put my
1: phone off. Hey, did you oh, put no. something in the show last week about my internet? Did you? We had a conversation. Did you include it? Yeah. There you go. I've got I've got follow up then.
0: Oh, do you? Okay.
1: When do you want me to start talking about it?
0: <laughs> well, uh, I, I, am I not supposed to be sending you this link? I'm slowly getting to it <laughs> because this is using the regular internet.
1: Well, you do that. I'll share my follow up with you about my personal internet connection, which I didn't think was of interest to anyone well, at all. Anyway, it just kind of flowed. It is interesting. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm now. I, so I don't know where I was last week, but I had to ask my neighbour if I could run a cable over their backyard. And they yep. said they said no. That was that was your follow up. Now I'm now I have to dig a hole. I've, I've spoken now you have to dig a hole. I've spoken to the internet company, and they said if I can give them a trench with a conduit in it, they'll put their cable in my conduit. And so now I'm like organizing excavators. Had the gas man there today to tell me if there are any gas pipes around that I shouldn't dig up. Yep. Well, I think it's going to happen. So how are you, How are you
0: going to? Dig the. How are you going to get the cable through your neighbor's yard if they won't let you dig a trench through? No, no,
1: they're happy if I dig a trench, just not if I run a cable over the overhead. Trench good, Uh, overhead bad.
0: Oh, when when did we even discuss overhead cables?
1: Okay, maybe this is all a development. (laughs) Clearly, but the upshot is, I'm going to have fast internet after I finish digging a trench.
0: That's. That's awesome,
1: <laughs> but it, it, and it will be my trench after that, or my conduit. So I'll be able to put anything through it that I want to. So make it nice and thick. I will. I'm going to make it a lovely conduit that I can future proof, that I can run things through, and I'm just going to leave pieces of string there, ready to pull new cables through.
0: Yes, hmm. that is that is the trick, I believe.
1: Yep. That's what I'm going to do. Nice.
0: So before we before we actually do go on, maybe I should because last week we didn't we left the intro to like right at the very end. I'm pretty sure that we did that a week before as well. Are we we've done it we've done it multiple times <laughs> we never we never i never i never do it on time, so maybe I should do it now and then do follow up and then we can we can talk about other things, whatever they may be so hi, you are listening to mobile couch, and this is a show where we talk about mobile development that is development for mobile devices as opposed to other forms of mobile development. This episode specifically is hosted by Jake McMullen. Hello. And Jane Abernathy. Hello. Is that that how I pronounce your name? I was like, yeah, no, it's pretty good. Yeah,
2: Abernathy. Yep, we got it.
0: And myself, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. And this is episode 43. And Jane is our special, very special guest because Ben is. In it, London. He's just left us. He's He just kind of walked out. Just kind of walked out. He, he, went, he went for a pack of smokes and never came back. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. I shouldn't say things like that. Jane, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the follow-up, just so that people know kind of who Jane is.
2: Okay. Um. Well, I'm an iOS developer. I yep. work at the Commonwealth Bank, so on the ComBank app. Um, I've been doing iOS dev for about four years and yeah, that's about it, I
0: think.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: That's it. Four years is quite a while. How long, how yeah, long have been it is. I had to calculate iOS?
2: that then. It's four years.
0: I don't think I've been developing for that long. Wait,
1: I don't know. I can't even remember. I'm, I'm old and my memory <laughs> is going. Yeah. I, no. I, I can't remember either. <laughs> I've, I think I've been doing iOS development since 2008. Oh, wow. That's a long time. That
0: is a long See, time. See, I haven't even been developing for that long. I think I started developing, no, maybe, no, I've definitely been developing for that long. I think I started developing for the web in 2002.
2: Yes, Yeah, I just kind of remember because my first kind of grown-up job, I think.
0: Yeah. Did yeah. you did you study um, computer science or anything like I that? I
2: did. I studied computer science and then I got like um, kind of a government scholarship thing and I was a BA and I, I just didn't like it. And then I got oh. an iPhone and I thought, oh, I can do that. So, yeah, I um just started to learn a bit of Objective-C in my own time and moved to Sydney, and, yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. Yeah.
1: I think there's something pretty awesome about I, – I don't know why the iPhone makes it different, but when I first started, like, programming and I had a computer and I could write a program that would run on the computer, it felt kind of, like, really instantly rewarding. But the <laughs> iPhone felt like that sort of amplified – I don't know why, because you could kind of touch your app and it just felt so, it's like this cool, modern, futuristic device and I could put stuff on it.
0: (laughs) I always get a kick out of like seeing the thing that I made and I think that's why I went into doing development in the first place was because the thing that I made, whether it be like a website and these days an app, like it's, it's just, it's fulfilling Mm.
1: in a way, like you just kind of, yeah. It's kind of cool. I actually really liked, um, I got one of the apps I worked on we did like a sort of promotional video for or organized friend of the show, Caleb, to do a promotional video for. Yes. Well, um, previous host as yeah, well. Yeah, previous host, host of episode one. and At One through six. There you go. Yeah. Um, And that makes it even look even more cool. Like there's something about having your app running on a device and being able to interact with it and then like seeing it in a kind of professionally shot video. Yeah. Makes it seem like you actually made something.
2: Yeah,
1: that's cool. Um, you must get that feeling with everyone using the Comeback app, like, because that would be one of the most used apps in Australia.
2: Yeah, it's got a few users. It, yeah, it's cool. Like, um, that like my mum has it and stuff, and I can be like, I made that button, mum. I like doing that.
1: <laughs> that's right. Do, do you ever get like family members complaining about it and just yeah, saying, "Can do. you fix this for me? Can you make it do that?" Yeah, yeah
2: of course yeah, you would. I do. I just um, I just ignore them. <laughs> Fair
0: enough. Yeah, no you got to take you got to take the good stuff and just kind of yeah. ignore the bad stuff, I think.
2: My mum mum, she lives at the Gold Coast and she was visiting last week and she has iOS 6 still on her phone. I'm like, "No, oh, wow. you have to wow. you have to either upgrade oh, or gosh. delete the app, mum. Like, you can't do that."
1: <laughs> wow, that's terrible. I have on my list of things to talk about today to whinge about how hard it is to simultaneously support iOS 7 and 8. Um I haven't even contemplated trying to go back as far as six. That I'm, must be.
0: I'm working on an app that has to support six at the moment. It's oh. horrifying. Yeah. I'm trying to do things with like split view controllers. And I'm like, but the API doesn't like the API documentation doesn't even show me any of this stuff anymore. You've actually gotta like I've actually gotta kind of look up old school
1: And just for practical reasons, how do you stuff? even test iOS six? Well you can't see
2: it. Like the the latest XCray doesn't have an iOS 6 simulator.
1: And you can't install iOS 6 on any iOS device you can buy. Like, if you buy a device it has got 7 and you can't downgrade.
2: No, that's so right. So the only
1: way you can actually get a device with 6 is to try and find an old one that someone didn't upgrade to 7. Yeah. And, like, surely they have a limited shelf life and there's a limit to how many. Well, my my iPod Touch used to run 6
0: and I was very I was planning on holding onto that forever and just having iOS six on it. Yep. Just so that in the instance that I ever needed to test on iOS six, I'd be set.
2: I can just give you my mum's number.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well then well, see what then what happened is uh I Mel came my Mel, my wife, came in to record a podcast, plugged her computer into the setup to record and updated it to I was oh, seven no. while I was while she was recording, and so I come back in and my my iPod touches back up is up to seven. She's mm. like, oh, I updated your iPod for you. And I was like, I did
1: oh, not want that no. to happen. I, if it kind of is nuts that you can't downgrade. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So
0: before we keep keep moving too fast, we should probably do follow up because we've got a little bit. Yes. So the first I've got a, I've got a few items. The first item is in regards to. You and I, Jake, our favourite caching Library, Hanik. Ha- Han Hanik Hanik. Right, so it's not Hanaki. No, Hanake. No, it's just Hanik. Yes, Hanik. It's actually okay. it's actually way simpler. And the yes. way, and I'm going to remember it forever, simply because I'm going to remember the the whole thing. You know how you know you know the the brand of wine or whatever it is that's that's spelt. I think M O E T. Moé, Moet. Moët. Mm, it's not Moé. It's 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 Moët. It is it Moët. Yes, yes, it is.
1: And I uh, thought it was like, like Tajay. It's it's super <laughs> it's not like Tajay. It's super bogan You can't buy your Moé at Target. But That's how the way it's pronounced. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so so uh, it it turns out it's it's And Now I'm taking now the way that I figured this out was that I looked it up on Wikipedia and had it read to me, and it was it, it kind of worked out that way. But the other thing that I need to touch on in regards to Hanek is that uh is the difference between the I, the Objective C and the Swift version?
1: Yes, we would uh, we were speculating about that last time. That's
0: right. So the the both versions according to the um according to the guy that uh actually maintains the project, his name is Hermes Peak. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. P I Q U E. It's clearly Piquet. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm, just going, I'm just going like full Bogan now, Let's see, Americans aren't going to know what I'm talking about. Redneck. Yeah. I'm going full redneck for if, the Americans. If
1: you're interested in understanding what Bogan is, there's a great show called Middle Class Bogan.
0: Okay. So Hermes uh, tweeted at us to let us know that uh, both versions are going to be continued to be updated. Uh, At this present time, the Objective-C version is uh, just an image cache, whereas the Swift version is a generic cache and can be used for anything. Um, But it does have a little bit of extra love, extra heart, according to the
1: website for images. And that's what I've been using for um, so far is images. And I've got a little bit of uh, follow-up on that as well, which is um, the website for the Swift version says that a prerequisite is iOS 8. Yep. Um, I'm actually working on an app that needs to run on 7 and 8, hence my complaining about having to support 7 mm-hmm. and 8. Um, and so Swift lets you do that, right? You can yeah, run yeah, Swift yeah. apps on 7. Um, so I tried to see if Hanik uh, works on 7, and it turns out it does, at least the image bit that I'm using does. Um, so I asked uh, a maintainer whether there was a plan to support 7. There is no plan to support 7, but I'm free to use it on 7 if it works and, and branch it maybe. So I don't think I really will, but I might just keep using it.
0: Well, you could always fork it, and I could do a pull request or something, maybe. Or I could just use it, and he can just ignore it. it. Yeah, (laughs) 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 No, no, I think he seems like he he would not ignore it.
1: He's he he's a very nice dude. He's um Hmm. he's been very. I'm just not sure. I've got like I'm just going to get it working for my project, and that will probably be the limit of. But anyway, uh, it is useful. Uh, Did you have any other follow up? I do have other follow up. Okay. Do you have follow up? Uh, yeah so I had one, which is I think we talked last time about um gender equality and well, just generally but in tech specifically yeah, we, as well
0: you you brought up the the book by Annabel Crabb and also the documentary that got funded
1: yes, code right, so I've got some more um more on the, continuing on that topic um there was an interesting podcast on planet money this I think it was this week. Uh, which is a national public radio podcast. Um, They did an episode where they were trying to understand why there aren't more women enrolling in technology degrees. Um, They posted a chart that showed the number of women enrolling in sort of science-based degree programs over time. And it basically shows like from the 1950s, there were a very small percentage of women enrolling in those sorts of degrees. And for all of the disciplines, so it had medicine, law, physical sciences, and computer sciences, sort of separate lines on the chart. And for all of them, they were sort of growing in lockstep from very few percent up, you know, 10, 20, 30 percent um, over the years. Uh, and then something weird happened in about 1984. Um All of the other disciplines, so medicine, law, physical sciences, um the number of women enrolling in those degrees kept growing. Um, but for IT, um, the number of women actually enrolling in those programs actually started to fall, um, which is really strange. So mm. the Planet Money podcast um, spent the whole episode of their podcast looking into that. It was an interesting listen. Um, in th- their conclusion was that it was related to the advent of personal computers that in about 1984. Computers started to become quite popular. Right. Well, that's when the infamous
0: oh. Mac advertisement is from.
1: Yeah. Actually, I think they, they attributed it to a, a little bit earlier than that. They said in a, in yep. a, at about 1984, pe- well, yeah. people um sort of would have reached college or university age who either had one of the first personal computers in their home or didn't. Yep. And they basically looked at all the ads for personal computers at that time and found that all of the ads were pitched at men, at boys. Basically, computers were sold as boys' toys, um, and that was one of the major reasons they attributed this to. Um, so I thought it was interesting given our discussion.
0: Mm. Um, I f- I feel odd, like I don't know whether or not I should like ask you about this, Jane. Like, <laughs> how do you feel I, about this? I feel strange. As well. like, oh, should I not mention it? No, I don't no, really know it, what to do it's
2: here. It's fine. Oh yeah, I've heard that before. That it dropped with um with women in IT like around then. But all right, at the bank, so we've got a really big iOS team. We've got, I think we've got 14 iOS developers and out of them we've got four and maybe a fifth one starting soon. That are women. Yeah, that are women. Yeah. Yeah, so it's quite, um, yeah, at the bank there's a, there's a few. I'm not sure like, yeah, why it's like that. I think I grew up with computers so, um, yeah, we're I don't know. We had computers when I was probably 10. So, first, probably like, you know, for our kind of age group. And my brother mm. was heaps into IT and my mum's a maths teacher. So, I guess that's why I got into it. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know. We
1: don't feel like you, you need to. Let's say I feel equally awkward as Jellies was saying. <laughs> so, as a woman on the show, what do you feel about women in technology? Um, well, I don't think that's what. Like, let's be just be like very explicit about this.
0: This is not why we asked you yeah. to be on here. Yeah, Jane. Oh no, like, yeah.
2: Was, I, I didn't think that. Like, <laughs> no,
0: I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not just saying that to you. I'm saying that to anybody who's that's listening. Cool. Like, that's not the point. That, that's we're, we're not. You're not just here to explicitly comment on this one item of feedback.
1: Yeah. Although it is a topic we keep returning to. We do keep week. returning to
0: it, but that's that's because we. We like the three of us, um, you know, myself, Jake, and and Ben, Ben, Jake, and I. I don't know. <laughs> uh the three of us feel very passionately about having diverse workplaces, yeah, and so I think that's good. I think it's important. And, and like, you know,
2: yeah, we're at the um, like at work, we're trying to do stuff about it, like getting kind of when um, the uni open days and stuff, and try and promote mm. it a bit more.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of th- cool. That was one of the things that um this NPR podcast talked about. Was basically said that the the issue that they identified was that um first year uni students were arriving for the computer science program, and some of those students had a whole heap of sort of background knowledge that wasn't a formal prerequisite for the program, but that set them up to do much better than yeah. other students. And disproportionately, it was men that had that had happened to have spent more time using computers. Um, And so what they did is some universities have actually sort of recognised that and have got new sort of topics that are pre-admission topics where you can sort of, um, no matter what gender gender you are, if you haven't had been exposed to sort of a whole heap of computing prior to starting, you can do that topic and get that base level of knowledge.
0: I think that also kind of ties into something that we've said before, in that it doesn't just start at uni, it starts long before then. Mm. and i think we've we've come to the conclusion previously that it's it's all very well and good to kind of put these things into place in workplaces and even in unis, but you kinda need to start even as as kids yeah and that's why it's like that's why it's kind of important to have uh, you know to introduce people at you know um in high school and that sort of thing, and even even younger than that, like mm. even kids that are you know in in primary school to you know learning how to, you know, use computers and learning how to develop and doing that sort of stuff. And there's heaps of stuff out there these days. There's so much stuff. Yeah. And it just needs to be kind of, you know, expanded, I guess, and publicized. Yeah.
1: Some of the, sorry, I was just, some of the ads that they had in this podcast, um, they sort of played snippets of them. They were incredibly sort of gender stereotyped. Like, yeah. So sort they of saying, you know, basically assuming that it would always be boys wanting to play computer games and do their homework on computers and things. Hmm. Uh, and I'm sure that is changing from what it was in the 1980s, but still I think there's a lot of stereotypes.
0: Well, this is one of the reasons why I'm really kind of keen on the idea of, um, uh, what's it called? Camp. App, a- app, camp, app camp, camp for Girls. Oh, yeah. App Camp for Girls, which is a US-based thing. Because here, and we've mentioned this before, here in Australia we don't have things like holiday camps to the same extent as they exist in the US. Yeah. But. Over in the US, they do have these things that happen over like the summer, mm. summer holidays, uh, summer break. I don't know what it's called. S- spring break? No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to pretend, not pretend that I don't know anything. I don't know. Now I'm just confusing myself. So they have they have like basically these summer camps that happen over the course of the school holidays, and uh, and app camp for girls is is one of these camps where they uh, they have you know groups of fairly young girls, like only in high school and even in primary school, I think mm. that come along and they learn how to make stuff and, uh, you know, learn how to make the laps and stuff like that. Like, and, and, you know, it's, I, I think that's amazing. And I wish we had something of the same caliber here in Australia. Like I really, really wish we did.
2: Mm. Yeah. It's a good idea.
0: Mm. So the other, uh, another piece of follow up from last week's episode when we were talking about, uh, today extensions and just, I guess, extensions in general, I think it was Ben that was telling us about how the only way to get data across between an app and and its extension was to use either uh, like a key value store, like a key value store, and then also like uh, also to use like um, keychain, shared Mm. keychain. Uh, It turns out, and uh, Christopher Truman has he tweeted at us to let us know about NS extension context, which is. A class that you can use that has basically gives you a one-method API. It's like three methods in total, but uh, essentially a one-method API for calling your app and getting data back and dealing with that data, which means that there is actually a way to get data between back and forth between your app without having to like sync it out to photos and stuff like that.
1: Good. That makes so much more sense that there would be a way. I'm not going to continue talking about it too much uh, other than
0: to say that uh, he also uh, tweeted a link to a... A post that he wrote on Medium uh, called Problems with Building a Today Extension iOS 8, um, where he basically goes through um, some of the issues that he experienced while while trying to put one together. Um, It was really good. I'm going to throw the link into the show notes for that. And we will probably broach this topic again once I've actually written an extension
1: and can talk about it in some some more detail. Uh, Jane, have you written any Today extensions yet?
2: I've had a look. Um, not too much. I was talking about them today though. So they have like the same bundle ID or something as your app.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's what yeah. we got to last time.
2: And um it's a bit of a problem if you've got like multiple targets. Oh right, yep. Yeah. That's about as far as I kinda got. I did it eight like I had a look ages ago when IOS eight first was kind of like back in June. And I just had too many issues then, so I thought I'd park it for a while. Yeah. Wait for wait for the Stack Overflow to fill up a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> one one of the reasons I haven't spent more time looking at this is, as I keep alluding to, it's, I've, I find it challenging to f- get my head around how to support these new features in iOS 8 while still supporting iOS 7. Mm. Yeah. And the extensions are a really big one. Like I can't quite get my head around how you would do it. So it works on 8, but the app still works on 7. Like, I suppose mm. you've got to have optional optional targets because the extension is a separate target, isn't it? This is Test terrifying to me. I'm only w- I'm one shaking. that only works on one platform, one version of the OS and not the other. I don't know. Is it even possible? It probably I don't, just I wouldn't show know.
2: up, would it? Like, it well, couldn't show up.
1: Yeah. But
0: I mean, but how- then the problem is, is like, don't you have to have a shared framework with the shared code that you have between and, the and two? And frameworks of them? are only
1: supported on eight. Yeah. So you don't have to have some weird convoluted build scheme where your build. The version of your app for seven has the code baked into it, but the version of the app for iOS eight has that code factored out into a framework that's shared with the extension. Or, like I've kind of, I haven't even looked, at, and maybe there are ways of tackling all of this, but I haven't even bothered to look at it because in my mind it just seems so messy. I'm kind of thinking, okay, I got to wait till I'm doing an iOS eight only app, and then I can deal with the extensions.
0: I feel I get the feeling that Apple is Apple strongly would like people to just support the latest system. Yeah. I think has always been the case. No, of course it has been, but I like I, I'm starting to realise how much that is the case. Mm. Even just like looking at the documentation today to try and figure out how to do something with split view controller that would work in back back in iOS seven, and hopefully six. Though I can't really <laughs> <test>. <laughs> just like looking at that stuff. Right, it was problematic because the only thing that you can do, you can't you can't really look up the documentation correctly. You can kind of select the build target that you've got back to like as far back as you want. So I set it to iOS six and a few things would hide. Mm. But I, I feel, I don't really feel any more kind of like safe about that. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, it concerns me that that would, that I'll build something using that, what I've got there and it still won't work. Yeah,
1: mm. I think my life would be so much simpler if you could just target the latest version of the OS. Yeah. I think this this is the sort of
0: thing that comes from from like the web days, especially where when you're dealing with like clients and stuff like that who have previously had websites and now they've got apps or want apps. Websites, it's like oh, you've got to support all the way back to iOS six. Sorry, IE I- six. <laughs> And you know now the DAO days. I think it's like I think we can get away with like sometimes eight, sometimes seven. Yeah.
2: Hey. Well, they showed like in the keynote that like it was six percent of people or something on iOS six now. But that was yeah. like last week, not the keynote, the the announcement.
0: Yeah, yeah, which
1: is not very many. It's not very many. No, but, but I suppose if
0: like when you when you times six percent by how many like million at, yeah. uh, devices are out there, that's like 6% is still a large, fairly large number. Yeah. But then you've got to realize that, of course, that number isn't the total number of people using your app. And I think, I think this is the sort of thing where you need to at least have some form of
1: idea of
0: who is using your app and what they're using it on. Yeah. But
1: I also think there's a real difference between an existing app. Like if you've released an app that did work on iOS 6 and you're taking it forward, I think that's a potentially a different thing than if you're doing a brand new app today. Like cr- launching a brand new app that works all the way back to iOS six would just seem, I don't know. Oh, you wouldn't want to do it. No. It it
0: it would be it would be a pain. I have never seen anybody do it. I've yeah. uh, other than maybe government, maybe government would do it. I don't know. You you probably do a lot more in this instance than I do.
1: Generally, the clients that I work with want the app to work on as many devices as possible. So. You know, the default position is we want it to work on everything, please. As far far back as possible on as many iOS versions and hardware. I imagine it would be this would be a consideration for Commonwealth Bank.
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think we dropped iOS five like in the last six months or something. Oh
1: gosh, okay. (laughs) That must have been there must have been some celebration there. Yeah, I think there was
2: some celebration there.
1: (laughs) It's it's interesting because I think it's getting more problematic. That seems the take up of eight is not as fast as seven was.
0: Well, because it up it requires like five gig of space on your device to install it over the air. Yeah, it do, that doesn't really kind of help things. No, and especially when you've got devices that are still out there that only have eight gig of space mm. in total. And let's let's assume that they use maybe maybe half a gig for OS stuff, right? Yeah. And then that leaves you with like what two and a half gig. That you could use, like you you can leave st- of stuff it's on your nuts. device. Like I guarantee you that even people with eight eight gig phones have more photos than yeah, would fit definitely. In two and a half <laughs> I was thinking yeah. that you only have to take like a ten minute video, and already <laughs> you're there. Like uh, yeah, it's kind of nuts. I, I don't know. I I I feel like it's probably safe now. Like, I think I would feel safe about dropping iOS 6 simply because even though there's 6% of people out there that still have iOS 6 on a device and, you know, times that by however many devices out there and you've got quite a large number, Mm. that number is probably not equivalent to what are the people that are actually using your app. Yeah, okay. Like, I mean, you know, even Australian government apps aren't using like the total number of devices out there. They're only using a subset. Yeah. Um, and even the commonwealth makeup because like i mean you've got to take into account all the other countries and where your app kind of sits in that sort of th- scenario and all that sort of stuff like there is no one app that is using that everybody uses yeah except yeah. for maybe like you know safari which and you know whatever mail app i don't think everybody uses that messages
1: <laughs> but it's amazing like i just feel like with the i don't know for some reason maybe it's just the sort of app i'm working on at the moment i feel like the the difficulty in supporting seven and eight is actually more challenging than other, like in the past, like six, really? seven. I don't know. It's just the number of things that are in eight that I want to use that I feel like I can't use if I've there got was to do a lot seven of stuff well. that was. Like, I want to use the eight. blur and vibrancy. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, well, I, like I just don't, you know, there's no way I can use the native blur and vibrancy in eight if I've also got to support seven. So I've got to, like, find some third party blur to, to use instead. And it's like, well, if I'm using that, for seven, I may as well use that for everything. Or yeah, um, and then there's the today extensions and things like that, and yeah, um frameworks. You know, there's a whole whole heap of stuff. It's like, well, yeah, I feel like I need to. I don't know. Maybe I need to do some personal projects where I don't have to. Well, like, the other thing is, I, I, I think
0: the other thing is, if you if you're going to support seven and you're just developing with the iOS eight framework SDK, that's the word I'm looking for if you're developing in that way like it's not immediately clear that you're developing something that won't work on 7 unless you're testing on 7 all the time yeah and given that like iOS 7.1 doesn't even ship as part of you as part of the simulator although it
1: is pretty easy to download
0: it is pretty easy to download right it, but it doesn't ship as default no um and it's very easy to accidentally update your device yes <laughs> <laughs> as previously mentioned yeah. And, uh, like, it's the sort of thing where if you're not specifically taking, like, taking steps in order to make sure that you're actually developing for iOS 7 and not mm. causing issues, then you're going to run into all these problems where, oh, mm. I've called, like, I've called an API that's not available. Like, the other day I, I, I was I was doing, I switched to using iOS 7, an iOS 7 device to test some GIF wrap stuff.
1: And it started crashing on you.
0: And it started crashing on me because mm. I was using things like contains string which it doesn't exist. I don't know why I thought it existed, but apparent, apparently it
1: doesn't. So I had one today with location services. In 8, there's an explicit request authorization method. Yep. Um, and of course, it's 8 only, and I hadn't put conditional code around it. So it's kind of annoying. Like, you've got to do two completely separate code parts. If you're on 7, you've got to just start using location services, and then act of using it will cause it to request permissions the first time, and then you've got to like register for the delegate method to determine that the location manager's state has changed to check if it's changed to now being authorized and then go on and continue on your way. Or in 8, there's the explicit request authorization. Um, And so kind of the code gets, like the attempt from Apple was to make it simpler, add a new explicit method to request authorization. But the end, up, if you want to use it, your code is messier because you've got to have it plus the other way. So it's not like you're using it instead of the old way. It's now you're using it as well as. That's I think dumb. this
0: is. I think this kind of thing suggests. And I mean, I know that it's not always possible because you want to support. You kind of want to support as much as you possibly can. Um, but the idea of like, uh, I don't know, I, like with the with the app that I'm developing, um, at work, I'm which I'm developing all the way back like to six, possibly, maybe I'll try and get out of that one but like i thought you were
1: gonna say maybe <laughs> you're trying to get five in there as well
0: no i'm, <laughs> to, I'm gonna try and get out of six i'm gonna, gonna try and just do seven and even then it's only 7.1 because i can't test on actual seven i think what i'm gonna end up trying to do is uh is just use old stuff so in other words like with this split view controller all the stuff that could be done really really easily with like the 8 sdk because mm. it needs to be for iphone as well and then it could just have like the you know, the new stuff where it just yeah, kind of yeah. all compacts together and becomes like a navigation view controller. Instead of doing all that, I'm just going to completely ignore the fact that it's there because it's just going to make my life yeah, easier. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And and it just makes the code much that much cleaner. And it's actually, f- f- this, this app is so ridiculously simple in comparison to GIF-wrapped. Yeah. Like... The code, the pages of code are like this, this long, like
1: you so know that you know that the podcast is the not podcast a visual can medium. See
0: this, but it's you know the the page. You're holding your hands about ten <laughs> centimeters apart from one another. The, the page, you know, a page of code fits roughly on on my on my twenty seven inch display. Like it's it's nice. It's um you know the apps of the pages the the uh, the class files are very small. So how it I, should be too. But that, I feel like that's the way that it should be. Like, if, you're, if you've are if you got really ridiculously long class files, then there's probably a problem. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, have we finished follow-up? No. I've got more follow-up.
1: <laughs> I want to get – I've got some questions for our guest.
0: Okay, well, then we better get on to that so you can we can talk to our guest. Uh, the last bit of follow-up that I have is from Greg Plumley, who wanted to tell Ben, hey, Ben, um, NS London is a thing, not – so they don't really have cocoa heads. Apparently they have a thing called NS London. Uh, and if you live in the London area, this is London UK for people who apparently, apparently there's London's like there is multiple. There, there Londons. Are. I've actually made that mistake before. So for, for people who don't know, I'm talking about London as in the <laughs> capital city of the United Kingdom, you know, make great Britain. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, they have a thing called NS London as opposed to Cocoa Heads, but it's basically the same thing. And uh, I will throw details for
1: that into the show notes. There's also a Swift London. Is there? Yep. Weekly, I think, meet what? up to talk about Swift in London. Could, could they not like combine or did they, well, did they
0: like, split apart because Swift is like a, a more kind well, of faster version of Swift? First, you
1: don't need NS when you're writing Swift, There's namespaces. So yep. You don't need to prefix your classes with this. So,
0: why, why prefix it with Swift? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe should
1: shouldn't it just be called London I think London's big enough to support multiple <laughs> tech meetups uh, Canberra on the other hand <laughs> Canberra on the other hand Probably
0: won't have one until get Ben gets back from London oh Alright,
1: that's it for follow up? That is all I have, yes Okay, cool I've got some questions for our guest Sure So uh, you mentioned that you work at, at Commonwealth Bank Which is uh, for yep. people that don't know a big financial institution that has apps used by lots and lots of people. Um, Before that, did you say you'd done some work at like a digital agency or an advertising agency?
2: Yeah, I did at a uh, digital agency out at Manly. It was...
1: So how ha- how did you find – how have you found working in those two different workplaces? I'm kind of interested to know, like, was there a bit of a difference in terms of, one, I imagine you'd work on lots and lots of apps, probably. Smaller ones with quite tight timeframes. And then at the bank, fewer bigger apps that have longer lead times? Uh,
2: Yeah, we still have pretty tight um, timeframes. Like it was really good working in the digital advertising agency because like you got to do a bit of everything. So like you do the server side stuff as well. Um, And things happen like heaps quicker. So someone would come up with the design like the visual designer and like they'll just give it to you straight away and then you could just start working on it whereas like at the bank like it's like there's more kind of, of a process of like things have to get approved and signed off by lots of people. But we get to like work on lots kind of more different things I think whereas when I was like working at the other place in the end we are kind of um just working on the same app and just kind of rebranding it for the different people that came in.
1: Yeah, okay. So you're trying to get I guess the same Yeah. App. Use get more use out of it. Yeah, getting um, yeah. getting more use out of the code that you write. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's the big thing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So are there things that like in? Are you now in a bigger team? You mentioned um, about fifteen. Yeah, developers. it's
2: crazy. We um yeah. So we all kind of work on different features. So we're in like we work in an agile manner, and yeah, you know, we all have like a feature. So in a team, there'll be like an iOS developer, an Android developer, a uh, project manager and you know maybe a UX guy or like the UX people usually like sit together and yeah they're not really embedded in teams and then we um yeah we all work on different features
1: yeah cool yeah so like what bits of that process with bigger people do you sort of really enjoy and that you wish you you had known about um when you were working in the the other place
2: I don't know like I think Got, we have more of a code review kind of process at the bank, which is cool. So, like, I feel like I'm learning a lot more from that. Whereas before, there wasn't really much of a yeah. So, I feel like I learn a lot more from the other iOS developers.
1: Yeah, cool. So, is that a, a formal sort of code review with yes. peers where you review one yeah. another's code and?
0: Yeah. I wish I could do that more often.
1: Yeah, it is I've good. done that a few times in my career, and it's been fantastic. It's, uh, I think to me, it had a, a twofold effect. One is just the kind of, you know, straight away having someone else look at my code, they would mention stuff that I hadn't thought of. So yeah. that's learning straight away. They'd say, Oh, had, had you, have you heard about this API? Did you think of using it? And I'd go, No, I've never heard of it. What is it? But then the other was knowing that someone was going to look <laughs> yes. at my code would make me, when I was writing it, think twice. Like I'd write something and I'd go, Okay, is that the best way? Because when I sit down with so and so and they look at it, what are they going to say? And I'd start yeah. to anticipate the sorts of comments I'd get, and so I'd try and, yeah. you know, yeah. Whereas okay. now, you know, I, I work on code that other people look at, but I don't know. Without that formal code review, is kind of sometimes you just want to get the job done as quickly as you can. This is part of the reason why I do,
0: uh, why I do um, open source stuff every now and then. Um, partly, like it's good for me in a lot of ways because it kind of gets me to you know be, pay more attention to a specific piece of code i guess it's good for other people because they can not have to write a bit of code but i think overall it it does help me to write better code and it doesn't really matter if anybody else uses it like i don't really care if i put a if i put a library out there like file drone no i don't think anybody uses that it's very unlikely but i love it and uh i like, I do little updates to it and just kind of try and it just, but it kind of forces you to, like, in a similar way mm. to think outside of, yeah, a- outside of like, okay, well, I've just, you know, I just got to get this done. It's got to be done really yeah. quick. And you got to kind of make sure that it, it's all kind of apparent as to like very clear and yeah. concise.
2: Yeah. Um, it even
1: makes me like name things differently. Yeah. Like, if I've got to try and pick a name that someone else is going to understand for a particular class or method, it's different to if, I think I'm only I'm going to read it. I like will write something. and I'm like, Oh, it's not really named right, but I know what it does anyway.
0: And I think in the absence of the ability to have like somebody else review code for you, mm. is probably the next yeah. best thing. Um, because there are going to be people that are looking at it, and they're not going to probably not going to say anything to you, but they will be looking at it, and they will probably be judging you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've actually occasionally considered the idea of, um, you know, when planning a project, allowing some time and budget to hire a, another kind of experienced developer just to do a code review and just sort of say, you know, I am not, don't want you to like...
0: Don't, I don't want you to actually do anything. Just well, read my code. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, if you know that they're fully committed on other things, it's not like saying, oh, I'm going to subcontract the whole thing to you. It's just sort of saying, it'd be nice to just have that every now and then, to have someone else read over it and say, oh, have you thought of doing it this way? Or
2: Yeah, it is mm, good. Yeah.
1: Um, and Jane, what about the other way around? Uh, was there anything that you did it in the smaller sort of team? Yeah. Um, that you wish that you could be doing now at the bank.
2: Yeah. Sometimes you like, yeah, you get things done a lot quicker. I think in a smaller place, just like there's not as many people involved. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I miss that. And like, I guess um, I worked in Manly, and we got to wear thongs to work in shorts <laughs> or flip flops. I should thon- say. You, can, you can't. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: International audience <laughs> not quite going to understand what that means. Flip flops, <laughs> footwear. Uh, you can't wear you can't wear flip flops to the bank. No, you can't. Not even on a yeah. Friday. <laughs> no. Why, why you can't. don't we, Yeah. Why don't we
0: go like full bogan as we were going before and say something like pluggers? <laughs> yeah, what, pluggers. what is a plugger? Pluggers are the same thing. Flip flops. No? Yeah.
1: I'm obviously not poken enough, sorry. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or maybe it's an Eastern oh, okay. States thing. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> maybe it is. Yeah, fair enough. I guess that's the thing that, that fascinates me. I, I don't think I've – in fact, I know I haven't done iOS development in a bigger team. Um. So, yeah, basically working in small teams at the moment and before that I've worked in larger teams but on server-side stuff.
2: Yeah. Um, um, it-
1: and so I'm kind of interested to how – what it's like to be in a bigger team working on iOS.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like at the moment I'm working on like um, making – so we use CocoaPods yeah. and I'm making a um, a library just for the UI stuff. So you do find that like because there's so many people, you kind of don't really know – like you know what everyone's working on but you're not too sure like the exact details. So like there was a point where there was like three or four different classes that look after colours.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so I'm working on a, a library just for
1: like – Just the sort of consolidating bits together. Yeah. And do you use CocoaPods sort of internally for so this is not for open source code that you're sharing with the world, but it's for projects that you share internally. Yeah. And how do you find CocoaPods for that?
2: I love it. Like I think it's good. Um, it sometimes gets a bit tricky when so we do have like multiple pods which are just internal. And you have to make sure that you've got kind of the right branches and everything of all the pods that you're using to get your project to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that gets a bit tricky, but besides that, I think it's really good. And then like, so there's a Comsec app as well. And then maybe if they want, they can take the UI stuff that I've been working on and they can put that in their project. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Cool. I think that's really satisfying as well. So I was working at the ABC for a while and I that was part of what I wanted to do as well, is to refactor out the bits of the app that I was working on, yeah, that might be able to be used in other apps and as a bit of a shared code base. And that was, I think, prior to CocoaPods. So CocoaPods, I think, has made a big difference in terms of sharing code between iOS apps. Um, and I'm wondering, have, has any have either of you used CocoaPods with Swift? Does it even work? Is as far as I'm aware, it doesn't work. Because yeah, that's what I thought as well. Because
0: Swift. I can't remember the exact reason. It has to do with something or other with Swift doesn't support
1: something that CocoaPods requires. Right. So I think Swift is kind of missing that at the moment. There's not a nice, easy way to add a third-party dependency. I think they're working on it. Yeah. As far as, as far as I'm aware, they are working on it. Cool. But, you know, don't quote me on that or anything. Are, are you guys um, looking at Swift at all at at the bank?
2: Yeah, it's a little bit difficult when, like, so the whole iOS 6 situation we've got happening yeah. Um, but yeah, a little bit, I, I've been looking at, um, using, or not so much, that's not Swift, but like using designables and that kind of stuff, like in the new, um, like the new interface. Oh, the new Xcode. Of
1: stuff. Yeah. Tell me about that. Cause I remember getting really excited, um. I don't know if you're a regular listener to our show, but if you are, you'd know that I love storyboards.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this, is the thing, this is the thing where you can make it so that custom controls show up as proper storyboard items, is it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, at the moment, so one of the things that one of the other guys I'm working with is doing is um, he's using paint code to make kind of all our icons. Um, have, have you heard of paint code?
1: Yeah, it's awesome.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. So we're kind of converting all our iconography over to code using that and he made like a custom ui view and he was just able to like change the name of something and like it would just draw the like the new icon just there in interface builder because it was like a ui view he'd done with ui um ib designables Uh oh nice yeah it was really cool
0: Yeah. yeah they showed like i think part of the part of the keynote no maybe not the keynote state of the union maybe yeah when they when i saw when i first saw it they were using a like a r- like a rotating uh knob type interface mm. where it had like little dots around the outside and the knob had a little indent on one of them like on one of the uh sides like close to the edge to show you kind of where you were pointing and so you could like use use the mouse to rotate that um but in obviously previous to ib designables um you couldn't actually like, it would just show up as a white box, yep. which is completely and utterly useless. Yep. Uh, whereas nowadays, now now you can actually kind of plug in all the correct methods and it will show up and you can actually... Make adjustments so yeah. you, can, you know, set like the min and max values if they if you need them you can have it oh, cool. so that you so can... it's not
1: just previewing no it's, it's not, not just like a preview
0: a... it's like it's it makes basically means that you can create your own custom like completely custom controls and like expose and com- the settings and expose all yeah. the settings and preferences in interface builder
1: oh nice yeah mm. that's mm. awesome yeah. That would make a great CocoaPods library of a bunch of nice reusable u- well, UI widgets that have got the IB designables and that you could just yeah. drag and drop, change some properties. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Be ready to go. I, I,
0: I, think, I, I think my con- my consideration when I first saw that was maybe this is the thing that's going to get me to
1: use storyboards. It does seem like there's a bit of code involved though. Is that the there case? There is code involved. Do you need to write lots of, like, is there... Quite a lot of code that only runs in the context of Interface Builder and doesn't actually do much for your app at runtime. Or are you able to basically reuse your runtime code and just expose it to Interface Builder in a smart way? Does that yeah, make sense?
2: I'm not sure. I've only done real simple kind of things with it.
0: I've done nothing with it. I just yeah, I've done I'm nothing. i just either. basing all of my knowledge off of my watching the watching the session. Yeah,
2: yeah. I did um that example like where they had like the the donut, and they would like say how far along you want to kind of fill it in, and um, yep. yeah, so I did that, and there wasn't too much code there that you had to um, you had to do to get that to work. Cool. Okay.
0: Probably the more com- yeah. the more complex your uh, your controls are, the more it's yeah, yeah. complex your interface is going to be. But the I'm definitely going, going
1: to be- put it on my list of things to check out.
2: Yeah, it's, it's also like. Yeah, the day i did it, it was on a sunday at home like when i first started using it i'm like oh i just want someone to talk to about this right now it's really exciting i think i think <laughs> it's
0: the sort of thing where you don't want to be using it for everything you just want to use it
1: for things that you're going to reuse a lot yeah. which kind of is the but half it, the point i think but it could be one of those chicken and egg things right like if if you've packaged something up in a nice way with something that makes it easier to see in interface builder and easier to edit you may be more likely to reuse it
0: yeah, but again, on the same at the same time, if you have no use for this thing outside of the one thing that you've got for like that you're yeah. building it for, yep. then it kind might of, be a waste of time. might be a waste of time. Unless unless you're using that opportunity to learn, mm. in which case I guess it's probably okay.
2: I think it'd be kind of cool. Like, So we've got like a design team. It's good to kind of sit with them and so they could be like, now show me what it looks like if it's this colour or show me what it looks like. Yeah. You can do things like just on the spot, like – Really quickly.
1: Do do your designers and developers work closely together like that?
2: Yeah, well, um, at the moment. So I'm hopefully going 50% into the, the UX team soon, which is kind of oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, um, so that I can do a bit of that stuff and maybe pick up a bit of UX knowledge as well.
1: Nice. And do you guys use sort of any techniques for prototyping, interactive prototyping um, like
2: Oh actually trying they out show- gest-
1: yeah. gestures and interactions.
2: No, well so that's the thing. So we're trying to figure that out. Um I think they were using something, was it Pix Eight? I think that's what it's called. Today, um one of the design guys was showing me I think it's called Pix Eight. Yeah, it is. It's like a um a tool they can use. I think it's in HTML that does interactions and everything. And they found that one pretty good. But it is kind of difficult. So like they'll do something they can flash and then go, yeah. And then be like, "Oh, can you do this?" It's like, "Well, it probably would have been quicker if we just worked on it together." <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. Um, I've only just got around to watching the WWDC session "Fake It Till You Make It."
0: Yeah, real. I've been, I've been, I know, you've been, that one know. for so cool. long. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and I just
1: got around to watching it. And you're right, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, they used Keynote in that, I think. Um, yeah, and I think it's really cool. I, I, I love, I've loved that idea that that thinking about your app isn't just like the design of an app's not just about static pixels no. that you can do in Photoshop or Illustrator or something, but it's also about animations and interactions um, and finding ways to sort of rapidly try out ideas. Um, yeah, I think I'm a huge fan of sort of designers and developers sitting down together and getting something going really quickly, trying it on device, seeing what it feels like. Yeah. That sounds great. up. Um, I think that's that's the end of my sort of just grilling you with questions. <laughs> but now I've got another question that I just want everyone's help with. I want to know how to detect whether I'm running on an iPhone 6 plus or 6 so I can do something different in my UI. Can't, I was, you
0: just call, can't you just call the thing to get you the model?
1: Well, can I? What's the thing to get the model? I there's was trying API. this today. There's an API. Fantastic. I'm fairly certain there's an API to get the current all I found on Stack Overflow was UI device, current device, and then use aspects of the screen to try and guess what model you're on, like the screen size in pixel coordinates, which I kind of cringed at because I thought this is just well, setting myself got, up for future. You've
0: also got the problem of what happens if they're in like zoomed mode. Yep. Which mm-hmm. I don't think that gives you the current pixel size. It's It is already a problem. But there is, I'm
1: fairly certain there's a, So let me backtrack and say what is the right way to solve this problem. The problem is uh, I put an app I've been working on on my 6 Plus for the first time today, and in a particular view, I'm using a table view, and the rows just seem too short. Does that make sense? Everything's really cramped, and in fact, the table... No, no, no. Yeah, not too narrow, but the rows aren't tall enough. Yeah? So on my iPhone 5... I've got a table with a certain number of rows and they scroll. scroll yep. So they don't all fit on the screen. They scroll a bit. So um, it's a table view. It's a table view and things feel nicely spread out. Yep. When I run the same app on my 6 Plus, uh, the table no longer needs to scroll because there's enough space to kind of display it all. But everything like feels too cramped and I want it to be more spread out.
0: So you want to basically adjust the size of those cells to yeah, fit? Yeah, the
1: cell height. I want. I want to say six plus. You can have a bigger cell height.
0: I would do that based, I wouldn't do that based on the model of the device. Personally, I would do that based on the size of the screen. So the size of your your table view. Yeah. So if your table, if your content so I should area, say like my
1: cell height is like a tenth of the height of the screen. Well, or something like that.
0: Well, I, th- this, this is how I would do it. Ready? Let's assume a minimum row height of forty-four points. If that extends beyond the height of the table view. So mm. if the content area, which I believe is a which is a property that you can get, mm. uh, extends beyond the 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 height of the content area, content size is bigger than the height of the table view, mm. then don't do anything. If the height of the content area is less than mm. or equal to the height of the table view, then what you do is you take the number of Rows that you have, mm. divide that by the height that you wish, mm. massage as required to so that you get nice yeah. even things fit correct numbers, and apply that as your height. So height. So the, the uh, that sounds plausible. <laughs> of course, this doesn't use. Uh, this is uses my lovely. CG-rect style
1: maths yeah, uh, rather than than auto layout. So the other thing that I thought I should be doing is self-sizing cells. I seem to remember the session on self-sizing cells had this thing where the cell could grow, like you could basically set up a constraint so that the label would be in the middle of the cell and there'd be space above and below the label. And if you went to a larger font size, that the cell would grow accordingly to kind of give you more space around it.
0: That's based on dynamic text.
1: Yeah. So does iOS um on the six plus does the default table view style get rendered with larger a larger font on the six plus because it's got phys- more physical space or is it just if no the someone, default is the regular size right so they have, Apple haven't sort of said because you've got more space we're going to make stuff bigger unless and more you're spread
0: using, unless you're zoom using the zoom view which I believe right. it I believe that it does kind of. Do that uh, from from my looking at the the difference between the zoomed view, I don't think it's a perfect like just scaled version. I feel like that they've done a few things with the text and stuff because mm. it doesn't like the previews and stuff. They don't look, they look kind of similar in some respects. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes it just looks like the text size has gotten bigger. So I, I'm not really sure what's going on there, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think they adjust the size of the the font. So size. even if I was using self sizing cells.
1: Uh, if I didn't do anything else, then the cells would always be the same height on whatever device I run it on. So I need to use self-sizing cells and then do something to increase the font size on the devices with bigger screens.
0: Essentially, yes, I think.
1: Yeah, okay. So it still comes about down to figuring out what device I'm running. But
0: I would totally do that. I would totally do the determine how big the view is and just divide and then apply that to all your cells. That would be like... It would literally be like... Two or three lines of code.
1: Mm.
2: And is this for the app where you have to support iOS seven as well?
1: It is, yeah. yeah.
0: See that would that 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 will get you as again, because self sizing cells don't exist in seven.
1: Well, they kinda do. You just can't use auto allow constraints to do it. You gotta use yeah, a sizing cell.
0: What? Like two lines of code? I've given you two lines of <laughs> yeah, code. Yeah. <laughs>
1: anyway, I'll get that. It's there. not like it's not but, like I can You that keep saying big. forty-four. I kind of think forty-four pixels is too narrow, no, too short on a six plus.
0: I'm not saying it should be on a six plus. The no, six no, I know. Six plus is the minimum. Like, yeah. the forty-four is the minimum, which is the so forty-four is it's like for when, when you're on the five on the yeah. f- and the four and et cetera, et cetera. And the
1: six plus, you get a bigger one.
0: Exactly. So if it's if the cells are if your rows are so short that they're not like that, that you don't even have to scroll and they're all kind of. Pumped up to the top of the screen yeah, and spread them out. You're, you're essentially just basically pulling them all down so that yeah. they will expand out to fill the screen.
1: Yeah, which is what you wanted, right? It is what I want. In fact, I want them to fill more than just the screen. I kind of want to go screen and a half, two screens.
0: That seems excessive,
1: <laughs> but you can probably do that. Just you know, yeah. do do a little bit of maths there. Yeah, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Cool. Thank you for solving <laughs> my problems. Right, I got to go code now.
0: <laughs> so, if you would like to read any of the show notes that. uh that we have collected and procured and et cetera for you, you can go to our website. That's mobilecouch.co forward slash 43 because that is the number of the episode. If you would like to get in touch with us as in the show, you can send us an email. We are hello at mobilecouch.co or you can jump on our website, mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. Yes. Now, if you would like to get in touch with Jane, Jane, how can these lovely people get in touch with you if they want to ask you questions?
2: Um, Oh, Twitter's probably the best way, hey. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So, I'm on Twitter. It's J underscore Abernethy, A-B-E-R-N-E-T-H-Y.
0: Excellent. Jake, you're on Twitter as well. I am. Are you you on LO yet? No. Are you on LO yet, Jane? Okay. Nobody's on LO yet. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to take off. <laughs> it's it's like another app. Net that didn't even didn't even make it. Jake is on Twitter as J McMillan. That's J-M-A-C-M-U-L-L-I-N and I M Jelly Bean Soup. J E L L Y B E A N S O U P. No e. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for joining us, Jane. It was amazing to have you. I knew it was going to be a good episode. Thanks for having me. I think we should just leave Ben in London. No, I you miss... should join us every week. Hi, I miss Ben. I do miss Ben. I do miss Ben. Apparently, mm-hmm. I do miss Ben. I
1: think we can say what we like about him today because I think London, his London life, will be so exciting. He won't have time to listen. Probably. Yeah. Yep. Good riddance. <laughs> no. <laughs> Poor
0: Ben. Not really. Not really. He'll be back. He will be. Remember, I said you get stuck in Canberra. This is where you get stuck. <laughs>
1: Yeah, apparently I did. I did make an an actual cultural reference in that show about yeah. being stuck in Canberra. Yeah, that our the, the, listeners got the, the that hotel, you didn't.
0: The Hotel California thing. Yeah, that one. My my wife brought it up.
1: Yeah, my wife said. Yeah, she got it. Yeah, you didn't she got get
0: it. it. I didn't get it. No. I have I have far far inferior inferior yes knowledge of songs mm. and hotels within the California state. Mm. mm. Indeed. Oh. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It was amazing to talk to you. We look forward to talking to you again in another couple of weeks' time. We will see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.